2: their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome
1: to the Cud Vine for May 27th, 2018. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Join me as always, welcome Tim Shiflett.
2: Good evening, sir.
1: All right, good to have you on. And then in about 20 minutes, we're going to have on for at least the second time, uh, Doug Kaplan. Doug Kaplan runs the Orlando Political Observer. Gravis marketing they have been doing A lot of polls Um, I believe their Indiana poll which uh, They've done one since the primary But I think they were the most accurate Primary poll for that Indiana race which was a little bit of a surprise So it wasn't like you know Polling a slam dunk uh, which So it was really pretty impressive what they did So we'll talk to Doug about that and more um, Here in about 20 minutes but until then Let's kind of start off national Tim and um, the big, biggest story, I think, of the week nationally was that the North Korean summit that, you know, Donald Trump and his administration has just ballyhooed for weeks now, uh, getting Kim Jong-un to the table. Um, it has just fallen apart. They say that the North Koreans were going to pull out, so Donald Trump pulled out before they could pull out. It's kind of that you-can't-fire-me-I-quit situation. Um He's got to try to spin this. They're saying that they're still trying to put the thing back together. Um, What's really the political ramifications of this, Tim? (laughs)
2: Let's see. We went from Trump for the Nobel Prize to suddenly canceling the summit by letter to now saying it may be on his plans. Sounds like a normal week, don't it, uh, David. Uh, I mean, the the political ramifications. He, I don't know. He does these things on the spur of the moment. It unnerves other nations, obviously, particularly our allies. And I think the political ramifications of this is it makes us look weak and and, and chaotic at the government at the federal government level. So I, I don't see how they can spend this in a positive fashion, even though they tried. Um, but 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 I I just don't see how a president turning around and telling the press, hey everybody plays games. How how is that a political positive for this administration? I can't begin to imagine. I
1: mean, this it gets down to the there's a 30% of the Republican electorate, maybe closer to 40% of the Republican electorate, that's just going to believe or praise anything he does. But then the rest of the folks, this is just going to be uh, more to it. And I guess what you know, Trump and the Republicans really have to worry about, the Democrats, even if they would have had a summit and it would have been sort of successful, you know, Democrats weren't going to give a lot of credit. But then there's this skeptical... Um i never trumpers is not a good word Because how many people have we seen that were never trumpers that changed their mind on that thing um,
3: but
1: uh-huh. men, kind of skeptical that that they don't just um you know they don't swallow the snake oil uh on first glance. those are the folks that I think this hurts him with uh, more than any because either a they decide to stay home b if people you know try to be the Trumpiest, and we literally have seen candidates this primary season that, you know, their whole campaign was, I'm going to support Donald Trump even more. I love him more than everybody else in this race. Those candidates may kind of suffer. People don't vote for them. People, um, you know, don't show up to vote if that's the nominee, things like that. I think that's where something like this hurts. Now, you mentioned it makes us look weak. It makes us look chaotic. I think it makes us look chaotic, and this whole administration's been chaotic, and it's not like they're chaotic and mismanaged in one area, and they get, you know, everything going right in another area. It's just kind of across the board, foreign and domestic policy chaos, and this just, you know, slips on over. Um, Tim, where do you think it kind of hurts him the
2: most? Yeah, but— he managed to make North Korea look like the adults in the room. Now, as far as his face, I I don't know if he can say or do anything to affect them in any way. It, It seems like whatever he does, well, fine with them. They'll like it off. They'll say that's Trump being Trump. They'll try to say, well, that's Trump playing the Koreans. Uh, and, and and as far as people that don't like Trump, I mean, it, it's just going to make them dig in their heels even more. I have never seen a president or a politician, for that matter, that did not at least try to expand their base.
0: <laughs> and
2: this president simply will not do it at all. With the thought, I suppose that he's got what he needs to stay in power. I, I don't know how else to explain it.
1: Yeah, Catherine, I uh, I brought you on. Welcome to the show. Um, what are your thoughts on late.
3: the non-North Korea summit? I, I think, you know, what Tim said, and I just think he um, has no um, – control over himself I'm, I'm talking about um, our president unfortunately um, and, and, and he doesn't care it, it doesn't matter to him that he looks like a fool or that it makes the country look um, I don't know if it makes us look weak it makes us look uh, indecisive and um, I, I just don't think he cares he doesn't think about it that way he thinks about what best for him and for his approvals and, and and his base. And I think Tim's absolutely right. He doesn't care about expanding his base. He just wants to satisfy them what he's got.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think it's, like I said earlier before he came on, there's two parts to it. There's the, um, and I, I think the better word is skeptical Trump, but there's You know, we saw a poll today. Forty-five percent of people believe millions voted illegally. So about half the (laughs) Republican debate is going to believe about anything he says, cheer anything he does. But there's another half that doesn't. At what point does he jump the shark and goes too far to either wherever they won't vote for him, they won't vote for candidates like him, or they just won't vote? That's what he's got to be careful of is with those voters. Now – I don't think by any means he's going to lose 100%, 80%, anything, you know, in a big majority of those voters. But, you know, if we're talking about a 50-50 race and he loses 20% of those, of that 50, it could decide a race. Um, So that's where I think he has to be the most careful in doing things. kind of wanted to um, segue into something else, staying in Asia. And and this is, to me, one which may be a lot more pro- problematic with his base, even that hardcore base, um, is in the past week or two, he's completely changed his tune on how he talks about China and the cell phone company, the communications company, ZTE. Um, it, it almost seems like there's somebody in the Trump family or the Trump orbit that, that's involved in this somehow because – It's now we got to do what we can to save this, you know, great uh, Chinese communications company. Yet all through the campaign, all we heard was, you know, China's taking America's jobs. China's winning the economic battle. Watch out for China. You know, everything was negative on China. And all of a sudden, this cell phone corporation, which we have a lot of companies in America that do communications, but yet now we need to do all we can to help ZTE. Uh, Tim, why is he doing this? And then second, um, what kind of political ramifications will this have?
2: You know, I I, I read a very good uh, opinion piece this week. And and the uh, gist of it essentially, um, I believe it was in the Washington Post, so let's give credit where credit's due. But but the gist of it essentially was that Trump seems to treat his enemies better than his friends. Now, think about that for a minute. Uh, with the tariffs deal, he hasn't given any deals to Japan, one of our biggest trading partners, sudden, certainly a staunch ally in Asia. No more staunch an ally do we have. Uh, He hasn't given any special deals to them, but he's bending over backwards to give special deals to China after calling them just everything under the name of the sun uh, no time ago. Once again, taking an issue, taking the opposite side of that issue almost the next day, and then swinging back again. I wish I could explain what he's doing. There are very learned economists. That cannot explain what he's doing. He can't even explain what he's doing. I have just, you know, how do you explain something when you've never witnessed anything remotely like it? You have <laughs> nothing to compare this to, right know. <laughs>
3: well,
1: I have a that's exactly how on, I feel. Something about this—what this writer said. Let Catherine uh, weigh in on it. You said he treats his enemies better than his friends. So, does this mean that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton are his best friends? Because he didn't treat anybody worse than the two of them. Well, um, I'm talking about foreign <laughs> nations here.
2: <laughs> foreign
1: Yes. Uh, well, well uh, Catherine, what are your thoughts on this whole ZTE and the way he's completely flipped policy and tone on China?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, he's like only as good as the last person he spoke to about something. And um, that's why I, I think one of the reasons that he flip-flops all the time is that, you know, he talks to someone and they tell him something and he's like, oh, that's a good point, and then that's his idea. And then the next he turns around and somebody else says something and he says, oh, that's a good idea, I agree with that. I don't think he has much of his own um, opinion on things. I don't think he understands um, international um, commerce and... Um, manufacturing as well as a lot of, as as many people. Um, But I don't, I, I don't know if there is someone in his, if it's someone in his, like you said, orbit or if it's like opinion pieces or if it's Fox news or who knows what it is that influences the way he thinks about things. It's so hard to tell, but I absolutely agree with Tim. It's so hard to try to understand what he's thinking or what where he's coming from because it seems always so out of left field and so unlike anything we've ever um, experienced in a, a political leader before that we don't really have any um, anything to compare it to. Well, let,
1: let's kind of flip it around, and this to me is, is what does is his base do with this? I mean, because he said, you know, China – any foreign nation, uh, were falling behind economically. We know that some of that resonated in some Midwestern states that lost jobs, that have, you know, manufacturing base. They probably were more sold on the economic arguments that he made. You know, they probably liked some of the protectionism. Um, and this completely smacks in the face of this. Um, and, and some of those voters obviously switched based or just didn't show up or sh- – or showed up for him that didn't show up in 2012 for Mitt Romney or uh, 2008 for, um, you know, John McCain. What do those voters, particularly in the Midwest do, Tim, or in manufacturing bases um, with this new information about China or this new
2: policy on China? Uh, Again, I – I've been thinking it, forever. Well, this is the one that's got him. This is the one well, that's got him. Yeah. This is the one that's got Well, okay, got him. okay. Well, and but nothing, here's the thing. Nothing hits um, him. But we're
1: not, you know this is uh, we're, we're not talking about his base here. We're not talking about his base here. I want to tell you, like, remember the Van Jones show when it came out? He met with, or maybe it was even during the election, before he started his show. He met with this guy that, that voted for Barack Obama. I think it was in Ohio, uh, maybe in the Toledo area. He voted for President Obama. In 2008 and 2012, still liked him, but thought that, you know, we're getting behind in these trade deals and really didn't like a lot of personal characteristics about Trump, but said, I'm only appealed to the economic arguments, even though I vote most of the time for Democrats. These people had to have existed, or a state like Michigan, a state like Wisconsin does not flip. I and mean, we're not talking about mm. redneck Joe from down the road in the south that's voted you know, since George Wallace for Republicans, we're talking about
2: people well, that switch their votes. You, you you know, if he loses 1% or 2% of the vote in Michigan, he's going to lose Michigan. The same in Pennsylvania, the same in Wisconsin, because he won all three of those states by less than 1% of the vote. He, he won Florida and North Carolina both by a little bit more. So he doesn't have a lot of wiggle room, but again— you watch this guy, and he doesn't try to establish any wiggle room, and yet he seems to get by. And as far as the Republicans that would that were never Trumpers that turned into voting for him and then supporting everything he does, I think they'll stay with him as long as the economy holds. When the economy isn't okay. holding, some of that stuff ain't going to be funny anymore. Yeah, see, I, and, the,
1: and the thing is, a lot of times economically, the, the economy turns months, business quarters, a year after the policies are enacted. It's not like you write a policy, and then even if it's a bad policy, on day two, the economy turns. It may take three or four fiscal quarters to start to see the uh, repercussions. Catherine?
3: Well, I think the other thing is uh, we assume that people – that all these people are paying attention to what he's saying about ZTE, and I don't. I think you have to be pretty, um, pretty much of a news hound to really find out about. I mean, I only hear about the about ZTE or ZTE on uh, NPR. That's the only place I've ever heard on like broadcast news. Like, not a, I mean, they don't talk about it on the news. They don't. They. I mean, maybe they talk about it on Fox. I doubt it. But So you have to be kind of a news hound to find out about it, and I'm not sure everybody does.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. The uninformed voter uh, is definitely a thing, well, I, and I, we're finding out that uh, with the fall of newspapers that that's
3: happening more and I more. I don't think it's fair to call them uninformed voters. It's not the voters. It's the media. The, I mean, this is not a well, very sexy – uh art a sexy news item there's a lot of other things going on and um and i mean you have you have to want to find out these things in order to i mean i i i'm just very very cautious about calling voters uninformed they're informed about the things that are important to them and this just may not come up on their radar
1: yeah, even though it is a complete flipping policy, which to me is a pretty significant thing. I mean, the the, the theory of he follow he he changes his tune. To the last person he talked to, uh, wouldn't you just love to have him talk to a member of the MS 13 gang? Um, I guess he'd flip on that. We'd see what his base did with that. Um, that might be <laughs> lots of fun. Um, well, let's go ahead. Speaking of lots of fun, I love polls, and if you want to find some polls out these days, uh, Doug Kaplan's a guy to talk to, and we want to welcome back to the show from Gravis Marketing and Orlando Political Observer, Doug Kaplan. Welcome, Doug. Hey, how are you? Yeah, good to have you on. Um, well, first off, we're going to talk about some polls later, but I kind of wanted to talk, take care of some Florida stuff with you, since that's the state you live in. That's where you're covering Uh, Your home base And Florida is such an interesting state this year Because it looks like it has Two um, Big time statewide competitive races For governor and U.S. Senate And I want to start with the governor's race Um, One of the leading candidates For the Democratic nomination Gwen Graham Daughter of former uh, Governor Bob Graham And I believe he was senator too He held all kind of offices In uh, Florida uh, she has floated the idea of a unity ticket and naming her lieutenant governor, running mate, a Republican, albeit a pretty moderate one, from Tampa, David Jolly. Um, does that idea have any legs, and what would the politics of that be?
0: Yeah, it might help her initially. Um, I would say if you ask you know, Floridians uh, who the lieutenant governor is now, uh, 99.9% have no idea. So I'm not really sure how far it goes. Uh, The governor Governor has very, very little power in Florida.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: a lot of states, it's actually a separate elected office. Um, I think there's a few states, Florida, um, Iowa, a few others, where they run more as a ticket so you can actually do that. Um, But now let's say she's floated this and the Democratic primary hadn't happened. What does this do to our chances in the Democratic primary? Because looking at how partisan both parties have become, I don't know that this will be a net win.
0: Yeah, you know, it's hard, it's hard to see how it's going to be a net win for her, especially when she's got really uh, steep competition. Um, you know, like Philip Levine's been running uh, commercials for, for months now. So I'm not sure, not sure. maybe uh, she's floating it, but she's seeing some poll numbers that concern her. Um, but we'll see how it turns out.
1: Yeah, and um, another candidate I wanted to ask about because I, he's mayor of uh, Tallahassee, and he ran one of those intro bio videos like both of our nominee, or both of our candidates for the governor's nomination uh, ran in Georgia, and, and one of them looked very close in style to one of our candidates, so it kind of caught my attention. He was from the state capitol. You obviously think there's a lot of power base being the mayor of uh, Tallahassee, even though it's not the largest city in Florida. Uh, how's Andrew Gillum doing in this race?
0: He's doing well. Um, you know, it's possible he could have a path and a base uh, of, of support. And his big problem will be money. Um, Florida is a tough state to go um state, you know, run statewide. You, you have to spend millions of dollars a week uh, when it gets close to getting your message out on television advertising. Um, we've seen many people. That have been very, very popular in the regions. Uh, when they go to statewide, the, the fundraising dries out and they just run out of money. So it's a very hard thing getting your message out. Uh, he's He's been running on the Internet, so it's possible, possibly he's, you know, maybe it's something different. But without that TV, it's hard to see how he wins.
1: Yeah, and so many large cities in Florida, uh, you know, you've got uh, not counting his home, home city of Tallahassee, you've got four major media markets uh, to put ads in. Um, well, let me flip over to the Republican side real quick. Um, what's that looking like for Governor?
0: So, so you know you, you have you have an interesting thing because you have um, Adam Putnam who's really raising tons of money, um, running ads, etc. And you have uh, DeSantis who has uh, Trump's uh, endorsement, and you have um, him basically running. A, it's a Fox News primary. He's basically on Fox News every 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 other day. He's. Um, you know, and, 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 he, and he's hoping to generate free media. Will it work? I'm not sure. Another thing to watch is um, the sugar industry has been attacking Ron DeSantis um, uh, for, for for about two months now. Um, they've spent millions and millions of dollars attacking him um, for, for votes. Really, that you know, they're, they're calling him too liberal. I mean, he's perhaps one of the most conservative guys in the in the in Congress, but it's been very effective, I believe, and it's it's it, it, and it, Putnam wins. It, it possibly will be because of the sugar industry getting out there early, uh, attacking DeSantis.
1: Yeah, that that you can tell you're not in uh, say Texas or Oklahoma anymore when you're talking about big sugar uh, and how they're affecting a race. Well, um, let's move over to the uh, Senate race and i and ask a question two about that. Then we'll pass it to Tim. Then Catherine um, on the Senate race. It seems like that. Given the political environment nationally, an incumbent that is not at all controversial, like Bill Nelt, a multi-term incumbent, would have zero problems. Although he in many ways was looking like the most vulnerable incumbent at this, at this point. Uh, do you see it that way? And if so, why?
0: Well, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Uh, there's been some critical errors, I, I think, on Nelson's part. Um, he knew for a year that Rick Scott was getting in. and he's given Rick Scott the last four to six weeks. and Nelson and Scott has spent millions of dollars a week, you know, branding himself, getting his message out there, um, it's early. it's very, very early. But getting his message out there, controlling the narrative, and Nelson has spent zero dollars. Um, and you know R- Rick Scott has spent millions and millions and millions of dollars. So it, it, the whole thing is kind of strange so far. Um, and Scott has basically gained four to five points in the polls in, in, in the last month and a half since he's gotten in. Um, and he's just going to have a tremendous amount of money. I, I'm not 100% sure if, if Nelson understands the fight that he's against because Scott is, 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 you know, a somewhat popular governor in Florida. The Hurricanes really helped him out, and um, he, he has a, a fortune that he can go into, and he'll be able to raise a fortune. And and so far Nelson really hasn't been raising a ton of money and Democrats gonna to have to pour a ton of money in it. So we'll see what happens there. I still think it any in I think Scott would win in any other year, but this year with with this year with the environment that that it is, it's, so pro- Nelson's probably a small favorite. But you know, we'll have to see. He's gotta gotta get on the airwaves and he's gotta match him on fundraising a little bit.
1: Yeah, well let me ask you this question as a follow up on uh, Bill Nelson. Is he notoriously a weak fundraiser, or has this just been kind of an anomaly?
0: No, listen. He, he. I mean, he, he. Um, he destroyed Tony Mack, whose, whose father was senator and governor. Uh, you know, very popular last time. Um, I, I just think that Scott got in there, and Scott just, you know, is raising a fortune and uh, spending it, uh, spending it, and he's running television already, so he's coming out very, very strong. And Nelson hasn't really done much, so we'll see I mean Nelson's been around for a long time and um I'm sure that uh he's got a plan um, again it's a little bit surprising that that he allowed uh, Scott to get such a head start because it's no surprise that Scott is worth a fortune and and and, and can can raise you know unlimited money um, and everyone's known for for well over a year that Scott would get in so it, so so we'll have to see how that ends ends up
1: Yes, it will be a race to watch. I'm going to pass this over to Tim, and he'll give, ask, pass it to Catherine after a little while.
2: Uh, Tim? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Donald Trump won the state of West Virginia, if memory serves, by 42 points in 2016. Right. And yet, in your latest poll of those, you have Joe Manchin ahead by 13 points. How has he jumped out to a lead like that? You know,
0: it's, you know, he's very popular within his own home state. There's actually more registered Democrats in that state than registered Republicans. Um, they just haven't switched their parties yet. Uh, a state like West Virginia, uh, you know, a guy like Joe Manchin knows – most of the voters, it's a retail politics uh, game, um, and he's, just, mm-hmm. he's 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 extremely popular, and they haven't been able to brand him. And at this point, mm-hmm. he looks extremely safe. There was also a very competitive uh, Republican primary. There was a very uh, it was a vicious primary, if you recall, with the guy Uh There was another guy in there, so it was, it was a three-party primary, and uh, I think the Republicans haven't really uh, come home yet. We'll see how that that will turn out. I'm, I'm sure it'll, it'll it'll get closer, but I think uh, Mansion has has, has has the advantage in that race because of its popularity. Mm-hmm. And, and it's small um, state, yeah, yeah. The, the
2: the president has talked about that he's going to hit the campaign trail. Do you see West Virginia as the type of state that he would go and campaign in this fall?
0: Yeah, that'd probably be the type of of areas that will go in, uh, you know, rural type of states um, or states that he performed well in. Mm-hmm. We'll, see if it, we'll see if it matters. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 hasn't, it hasn't really mattered yet for him. Uh, you know, just because of the president went out there, Obama had some problems in his term, you know, candidates lost. So I'm not, I'm not sure if it works at all. But but we'll see how what happens.
2: Uh, and and by the way, I want to congratulate you on on your excellent tolling of Indiana to this Thank point. You. you 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 you've done a great job. And I wanted to ask a question about that state before I pass it over to Catherine. Yeah, the Indiana Senate right now is essentially well a toss up, a one point race. Um. Why at this point is that race a pure toss up? Why has neither candidate taken, you know, uh, a sizable lead? Well,
0: it's, you know, it's eight or nine percent, uh, 10 percent undecided. Um, you still uh-huh. have some, some time b- before the election. Um, Indiana's probably of all the states is going to be one of the toughest states for the Democrats. I think uh, Braun should, um, it's going to be a tough race, but Donnelly remains very popular. Uh, people like their elected officials. You know, when you see Congress uh-huh. have, you know, very unpopular Congress, usually they're people's congressmen or their local officials, uh, state, you know, senator, etc. They're popular. Remember, they elected these people previously. They elected Donnelly, um, so they yes. elect, they like their elected officials. So you know, they might not like Washington, but they like their elected officials, and they tend not to vote them out. So it's power of incumbency, especially in a year yeah. like this. Democrats have no power, and they're trying to regain power.
2: So, so, so you you would not be surprised at all if we are up late on election night, waiting on the results to come in in Indiana, even though the polls close a little early up there. Yeah, it it it'll,
0: it'll, it'll be a very uh, it'll be a very close race in Indiana.
2: All right, and with that,
3: I am going to send it over to Catherine. Catherine. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Tim. Good evening. Thank you for being with us on this Memorial Day weekend. We appreciate it. Um, I wanted to just ask you, uh, in general, you know, we've been um, hearing, oh, it's going to be a landslide. The Democrats are going to, you know, win this and that. And then over the last couple of weeks, we've gotten more cautious. The polls have been more cautious. What is your overall thought about are we going to regain Congress? Do we have a chance at the Senate? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, I know we're probably going to be up late, but what do you, what what is your sense? Do you have a sort of intuition about what might happen in November?
0: Yeah, so it looks like it's, it's tightening a little bit, but the Democrats should win this year. I mean, it's an off-year election; they don't control any branches of government. They've been decimated over the state legislature. If they don't win, if they can't win this year, it's hard to know when. They might not. They might not regain power again until 2024. I mean, uh, 2022 actually. I mean, I mean, if they don't regain power year, Trump might get a second term easily. So it's a it's a must win. Uh, can can they lose? Yes, but there's some some factors that really favor them. You could See them sweeping uh, sweeping uh, the Senate, winning every seat, maybe losing one, but winning um, winning a state like Tennessee and 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 winning the majority in the Senate. The House is an easier um, get for them and it's very likely that they'll win the house the senate you know it's still a toss up Um, but there's some factors that happen you know what will happen with Mueller? uh trump is unpredictable who knows what he'll do gasoline is at three plus dollars a gallon in many places um you know is that going to be a factor for people some talk about the economy but you know the gasoline i think is going to be a big issue so You know there's some issues not favoring the Republicans right now, and it's hard to see what they're going to run on in the next couple of months. And I would think that the um, you know it's going to get tougher for them, not easier, um, because they have they have all the power. Well, if you were
3: watching the Georgia primaries, you would say that they're going to they're going to run on um, pickup trucks, immigration, and guns. That seemed to be Mm -hmm. the theme for the Republicans in Georgia. Um, And any uh, surprises you expect, like uh, races that you think we won't win or we will win?
0: Um, I I think that usually when you have these wave elections, it's usually like a sweep. I I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if if it's a wave like it could be if Ted Cruz goes down in Texas. Um, it's not a probability but it could happen i wouldn't like i said i wouldn't well, be surprised we
3: all, we all say that aside from electing a, a democratic governor in georgia that would be our best the best night for us the three of us have always said that
0: <laughs> yeah um, and, and you know you and, and you got to you, you got to look at all these um areas that 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 clinton won it's a good map for the um dem, for the democrats a lot of people retiring um on on the republican side so it should be a good night but you you know politics is a funny game you never know
3: oh of course we don't we know that Uh, we i think we all learned that in 2016 i'm going to pass it to david for some more questions thank you yeah thank you yes um doug i have one
1: more state i want to ask you about it's been a few weeks ago but you did a poll on missouri and Missouri is a state that is one has been one of those few states that has trended to me a little more red um, because yeah, I think be state, have the two big now. cities, but you have the, the rural area, and it's such a lot of rural area in that state. Um, and Claire McCaskill, who always seems to get be up for reelection in the right year, um, one of the luckiest right. politicians, her approvals are never very good, but um, she gets the – worst candidates to get to face and runs of the best years. And it looks like that may have happened again, although her poll numbers are still not strong. Kind of tell us where Claire McCaskill in Missouri stand.
0: Well, again, she should. I mean, if, if, you go by way, how Trump performed in Missouri, uh, a Republican should be way up, but the Republicans have big problems in Missouri. The governor is under indictment, um, by other Republicans. Um, you have a really tough primary, um, you know, the candidate McCaskill will be. McCaskill looks strong in the polls. Um, McCaskill is, is, has got a very, very good chance. And like you said, it, it, in any other environment, she would lose. But in this year, um, with, with, with you know, Trump's approval where it's at, I mean, it's not a 50% in any of these states, in a state like Missouri. So so she, she should, you know, she has a good chance. She probably has, you know, well over 50% chance of winning that state which is an incredible thing because Trump won that state by a a larger amount.
1: Yeah, and we did see a poll, not your firm, and I believe we're going to find out that your firm's polls are a lot better than the one we saw, but we saw a poll that had Trump's approval rating in in Missouri in the 60s. Um, It actually had uh, Claire McCaskill's approval rating lower than the governor's. Um, Did you see that poll, and and it didn't seem to match up with y'all's. Do you think things have changed, or – just different methodology
0: yeah, It's just different methodology I, I, I would bet you that poll was just done on IVR it wasn't there were not Internet respondents which would make it more Favorable to the Republicans um, But um, yeah I, I Think that, that the Democrats Are in a good position in Missouri
1: Okay good to have you here Well um, let me ask you one kind of question That can kind of get you some exposure moving Forward do y'all have any polls that will Be coming out in the next week or so Across the yeah, country
0: we'll have, we'll- we're going to have Florida. We'll have a uh, working on maybe Arizona and California. Um, and we'll definitely send it to you guys.
1: Great. Well, we'll be looking out for those polls uh, from two new states, Arizona and California. And always, you have some great work in Florida. Uh,
0: Thank Doug, you so thanks
1: again for coming out.
3: Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Doug
1: Kaplan. Yeah, Doug Kaplan, Gravis Marketing, the Orlando Political Observer. Uh, really, Twitter and uh, political polls, which kind of is a Twitter feed that does polls, a lot of people have been picking up, and and uh, I think the way they nailed that Indiana poll, and Tim, you gave you gave him credit properly on that. Uh, you know, Doug's got some really good attention um, from how accurate that primary poll was from Indiana. So it's always good to hear Doug talk, and and good to watch out for his firm's polls. Um, well, Catherine, you kind of talked about Georgia, and we said after Doug came on. Then we kind of get into some uh, local, more local stuff for us. But really, this race has been had some national attention, the Georgia primary. And um, I think <laughs> all three picked uh, the Democratic side right. But I don't know about y'all, but I didn't think it'd be quite that one-sided. But I saw some results early on, and I could tell where it was going at about, say, 7.15 after I saw Towns County, Georgia, up on the state line. uh what, were your, what was your take on the top results in the Democratic primary?
3: Well, I was also surprised at how how swiftly um, the win came for um, uh, Representative Stacey Abrams. I, I thought it would be a l- later night. Um, and, you know, kudos to uh, Representative Evans for quickly um, coming out in support of Um, Representative Abrams and you know uh, saying that she was 100% behind her and that it was time to move on to November. I thought that was very classy of her and uh, makes me proud of my friend Stacey Evans Um, but yeah I think everybody, I I, I mean I wasn't at the returns um, party but I had uh, a close friend who was and they were all pretty surprised by the uh, swiftness of those returns and the swiftness Of the results as well Cause it was like Yeah um, I, I
1: know what our Yeah our county in Floyd was a little slower and I guess It depended on if, which race you are following Some races were a little uh, Tighter and, and It oh, might have taken a little more vote that. counting But yeah. that one was yeah just uh, Very early on you could tell Some counties and kind of just see Where that thing was going um, Towns County I mean when I saw that Stacey Abrams had a lead with just a few votes counted. I said, "Yeah, this thing, this thing's done." I guess the only thing that would have bit more conclusive was uh, Catoosa County. Um, you know, that was a if, if she would have won there too for some reason. Um, Kim, what was your thoughts on the Democratic primary for governor? And well, I'm well, the races I mean,
2: later. Yeah. Uh when you have this kind of result, there can be no doubt who the, the voters preferred in this race. Uh, Representative Abrams won like hundred and fifty three of the hundred and fifty nine counties. Uh the only strong area for uh Stacy Evans was, was up in the along the Tennessee line in the northwest corner. Uh you know, Dade Katusa, um uh, Walker, a couple of counties up there. way. Well, that,
1: that was about it. Uh, she lost Dade. I mean, she even lost the independent state of Dade.
2: <laughs> I was thinking she had won Dade. I don't have the map in front no, that's of me bad at the it moment, she, but I was she lost uh, Dade. I was, thinking, I, I was thinking that Evans had won there, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that, that was one each county on each side uh, of her I home mean, county. We're we're talking we're talking a, we're, we're a, a fifty three point uh margin I, I was going into it thinking 20 25 points but but not 50 that that, that was very impressive it, it it really was she she really ran it up and uh, by the way i was also a little surprised in the top line race that less than 5% of the vote separated the republican and the democratic vote total statewide we've been used to seeing the Republicans in recent years take far, far, far more ballots in the primaries, but uh, that that was not the case statewide this year.
1: Yeah, that was a very interesting trend, but one thing I do think needs to be looked at and could tell more about that is which counties had competitive races on the Democratic side and on the Republican side locally because um, I worked a Senate race a few cycles ago And um, one of the things that I kind of Identified with the candidate I was working with I said you know if we can Figure out where um, There's a race for county commission A race for uh, sheriff Things like that really push a lot of these Primaries um, w- One side or the other and so I think If you can look at like where, where There were no races uh, Competitive races on the primary ballot On either side what did those Counties look like and I think that'd be a really interesting data set to look at, and could then help a campaign see, you know, where they can find more voters.
3: Well, Not let's flip really. over the
1: Republicans. Oh, you don't think so?
2: No, I, we we had a very competitive race. Right, it was a nonpartisan race, but it drew a lot of voters out. And uh, yeah, and, well, and and yet, well, that was and yet. The the local Republican candidates up here, I polled the Democratic candidates two to one, right? But yeah, but Abrams won this county.
1: Well, but that's what I'm saying. But then as far as your, you add a, your Democratic votes, you add up your Republican votes, and you look at which kind of primaries you had. I mean, we had a nonpartisan race that had more attention than anything statewide inside of our county, and it was a nonpartisan race. Whether you were Democratic or Republican, you got that race on your ballot, um, and so th- those those are tricky. It has to be those partisan races to can tell the difference. Um, and it would take. And I'll tell you this: speaking, and this is we can segue into this. You still can't find county by county data easily on the Secretary of State's website, and they've been putting that stuff up on the website since Max Cleland and Kathy Cox were um running that office. I'm sorry, I I probably let me see, ninety six. Yeah, I think it was definitely under uh Kathy Cox. You could find that stuff. So we're talking twenty years uh plus and Brian Kemp's you know not made any progress on something that should be simple
2: and he's yet to do it.
1: Uh so now let's go ahead and switch over to that Republican side. Um as far as po- politics and getting votes Uh, Brian Kemp did better than I thought he was Even though he's not very good at his day job
2: In my opinion
1: Uh, Catherine what were your thoughts on The Republican primary
3: I just want to point out that last Sunday Y'all said that you thought uh, Hunter Hill was going to Was going to win With uh, Casey Cagle and I said Brian Kemp so
1: I, I I, I I will tell you this Catherine I was wrong I said Casey Cagle would win without a runoff Tim said it'd be Hunter Hill. Oh. I just said he went. With, I was wrong. I was just a different kind of wrong. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Casey Cagle um, underwhelmed yeah, my I,
3: expectations. But, well, Casey Cagle underwhelmed, and so did the rest of them. I mean, um, I think the surprise of the night was Brian Kemp, don't you? Because Hunter Hill, what did Hunter Hill get? Like, not much.
1: Yeah, I don't. I think if you I mean, added I, those I, three up, I'm not sure they would even pass Brian Kemp if they did so poorly. Yeah, William so, Hill and um, Tippins.
3: I'm I'm uh, looking forward to this uh, face-off between Kegel and Kemp. It should be, uh, you know, battle to the lowest common denominator.
1: Well, I and, and right. you know, me, I'm one that that wants them to tear each other up because I want the worst candidate to try to beat them. But I think I texted y'all this, as a Democrat, you know, I'm I'm kind of excited that they're going to rip into each other and, and just take their party so far mm-hmm. to the right. But as a Georgian, I'm kind of scared because mm-hmm. there's there's the Amazon deal and other economic uh, interest in this state, the movie industry. I mean, could Brian, a Brian Kemp-type agenda, um, if he pulls Casey Cagle 100% into that type of agenda, and he's pulled him some, we already know. Um, could they screw this whole thing up for the state of Georgia? Um, That kind of worries me as a Georgian. Tim?
2: Uh, Yeah, I would like to correct something. I'm looking at my projections from last week, and I picked Cagle and Kemp
3: to be in the runoff. You must have talking to some other people. This has been on
2: your other podcast, Catherine. Somebody on your other
3: podcast.
2: You know know where I messed up, guys? You know where I really messed up? And to me, the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises of the night was I thought for certain Josh McCoon would at least make, you know, runoff in the Secretary of State's race. And, And he wasn't even close and. And, and, and what and a I really su-
3: feeling that was to have him out of there.
2: Yeah, but I was just so surprised that he was. Um, and Casey, Catherine's right. Casey Cagle's poor showing. He can't be happy tonight. And I think he's in some trouble. Uh, and yeah. another surprise to me was uh, Cindy Selden. Oh, I, I think Catherine can oh, speak to that better than me. And, Catherine, go into that and tell us what you think might have happened. Oh,
3: that was such a disappointment, such a disappointment. She is probably the most qualified of all the candidates running in all the offices um, in this state last week. And uh, I haven't – I'm good friends with her and with her finance person. I haven't talked to them about, you know, whether they've gone into a deep dive to look at the numbers, but – it's it was such a disappointment because that other person is not qual. I mean, she's just not the kind of candidate that we. I mean, you know, she'll probably better than the Republicans. But she, I mean, Cindy was uh, so teed up for this job after all the work that she's done um, with Georgians for a Healthy Future and all the work she's done for many years. It's a, that was a big disappointment of the night, really. But
1: I guess there's always one big surprise. Sorry, David. And, and 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 the candidate that won that was Janice Laws. Apparently, she's a um, insurance agent out of Noonan. The reason I learned that is I was trying to find out why that you know Cindy Zeldin lost the race, and the Noonan paper actually kind of wrote a story, a little bit of a story, not that really gave good analysis. It was kind of like, hey, our our lady from our hometown kind of got lucky. Uh we're as surprised as you are. No. Um but that was why I actually know what where There's she's from. More but about um, her. It, but on that Republican on the Republican side, they actually said that the the um kind of the dark horse candidate won there. I love the fact that Jim Galloway called him Georgia insurance bad boy. Um d <laughs> I, I didn't know you could be a bad boy
2: and run for a um a insurance um, commissioner, but uh that's your race. Tim? Yeah, David. Here's a couple of interesting things about Janice Lawson. She was actually born in Jamaica and moved here as a teenager. And she went to Shorter College, right down the street yeah. from you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I am a little disappointed though that an insurance agent. A person yeah. that owns an insurance agency is going to be our candidate. It do, doesn't that sort of seem like a fox guarding the henhouse, house
3: to you Exactly, know? exactly.
2: Well, and, and a lot of times I don't know
1: that some people uh, look at politics as a skill industry. I mean you have to have – if there's a candidate – a lot of times in our primaries, and the Republicans should do this too, is you should find candidates that can give a good speech that – Um, know how to run a campaign, that can put together a mailer, that can raise money, and put together a credible campaign. Um, And it seemed like Cindy Zeldin could do that, although I guess if she can't win the primary, you have to question that a little bit. Um, I will say this. I'm a voter that ever since 1990, I voted at every single Democratic primary, pretty much every single Democratic runoff. I won't say if you looked at the voting records. You probably can't find them as long as um, Brian Kemp's uh, secretary of state. But assuming we'll get a better secretary of state, Democrat or Republican. You might can find them then. I might have missed a runoff. But I'm a pretty little voter. Outside of that uh, judge race that was nonpartisan in my county, I got one piece of mail. And that piece of mail was actually another elected official sending me the piece of mail for the candidate, um, would that have been something that could have helped not just Cindy Zeldin, but these other ca- uh, ca- candidates that I actually voted for, so I researched and learned about her? But if I'm somehow missed in the universe, a voter like me, um, and, and I think white mail may have something to do with why I was missed, even though I vote Democrat, 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 could, should candidates be using mail, knowing TV so expensive and decreasingly effective, Um, Should candidates, particularly in a primary Should you target those hardcore Dems And could you have avoided something like this And there's other candidates that you could name In in that same boat, probably on both sides Um, Tim, did you get any mail?
2: No, I didn't And I was thinking about a guy like uh, David uh, Schaefer Running for lieutenant governor He got 48 0.9 percent of the vote he's going to be in a runoff with jeff duncan don't you know he wishes he could have somehow found 1.1 percent plus one more vote to have avoided that runoff and how much it would help him down the road Uh, a guy like that a mass mailing would have been just the ticket I believe that would have been enough to get Him that 1% don't you Yeah and I have No idea if he did it and of course That's a different
1: universe in that primary uh, Catherine did you get any mail It may just be mail it may not be It may just be MAIL mail Is not a strategy in Georgia this year
3: I got some mail I don't know if I don't think I got an email from Cindy but I got some mail Um I, I am so over mail. I don't think it works at all. I, I think it might work if it's very limited and very um, understated. But these, like during the mayor's race, oh my God, I got so much mail. I had stacks of it. And some of it was like 11 by 17 folded. And I was just like, "This is ridiculous. I don't need this giant piece of mail." Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I'm. Uh, I think I think the most important thing is um, is getting people to talk to their neighbors and their friends and their coworkers and their family about a candidate, and that's the hardest thing to do. But that's the I think it's the most effective.
1: Yeah, the, the hardest thing to do. I mean, you know that that's. One thing comes here now. I kind of know my mama votes, you know, pretty much like I do, in pretty much every Democratic primary. She lives in Clayton County, where I grew up. She gets a lot of mail. I've brought their mail in in the summer uh, before primary, back before we moved them into May. Went back from there in June, and I saw the difference, if you will. Um, And that's what I have to wonder: is are they looking at the five? in-town metro counties and just throw in, you know, I mean, you probably could look and say, I got seven from this candidate, four from this one. Could it be if they would have reached out to a different universe around the state? And then once again, this is a primary strategy, not a general election strategy. Could they have picked up more votes? Do they overkill with some groups and underwhelm with others? Because I think in my bill box with a bunch of white envelope, boring bills that have no color on them, And then I see a nice color piece of information. These days, the mailbox is a lot emptier than the TV screen as far as politics. And for me, it would stand out. It sounds like Tim it would too. Um, Catherine, do you think that maybe they need to broaden their universe?
3: Maybe. I I think that's an interesting point that if they're – I think it's more like 20 metro counties now. Um,
1: Well, and I'm saying – they're they're probably not sending mail to Barrow County – and they're not sending Mel to Pike County and those ex-urban counties. I'm talking about the, you know, Fulton, Okay, well, the so calves, if they're just Clayton, doing,
3: whatever. If they're just doing the five, then yeah, then they should probably expand that. But, yeah. I mean, this, you know, that's yeah. that's those are uh, the kind of things that consultants, you know, they want the easy. You know, because then you've got to design a piece for a different. Um, Demographic, probably, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I mean, if you're talking about those core issues we talked
3: about—healthcare, education, transportation, job
1: development—I not I don't know. Not a, not a, not a, I you know.
3: I don't know, you know, I don't I, know why yeah. they wouldn't have sent it.
1: Well, I just—it's—it's it's a new strategy, and I, I think somebody needs to think of something new. Because I'm just a firm believer with DVRs and Netflix and the fa- everything's on the DVR, and it's fast-forwarded, um, and people consume their content online. I just think that your universe of people that you're reaching through expensive TV is dwindling. It's probably like the demographics of the Republican Party and Fox News and baseball. It's getting older every day, and so therefore you're going to have to do some new tactics. I actually noticed that uh, about a cycle or two ago, you saw a lot of online ads, and you think – People are in the AJC. People are in the Romney Tribune. People were in the Savannah Morning News. Um, those people that are readers of daily papers online are probably more likely to vote. I saw very few ads um, on those sites, and that kind of surprised me. Tim, did you Tim. click in on different sites, see more ads than I did, and was that an underutilized strategy?
3: Uh, well. I, I
2: saw some, but I want to get back to something for a minute. Let's take yard signs. You pick up 1.3% by mass-producing yard signs. That don't sound like a lot, but if you've got the money to go ahead and do something like that, remember what I said about a guy like David Shaker? And then, in a rural county like this, this is the kind of county he needs to pick up his extra votes in. Um, he needed 1.1%. I didn't see a David Schaefer sign anywhere. I saw all kind of Republican signs all over the place. I didn't see a 1 for him. 1.1% is what he needed to avoid a runoff. Why not go ahead and touch every face? I understand the importance of, of you know, of mass media in the metro area. Obviously, you've got to have that I understand internet, what you were just talking about. You need to hit that because that's the coming technology. Well, it's already here now. But the tried and true things, like those yard signs, why not? Why not mass mailings in a county like this where it has been very effective? I, I know that for a certainty, having been involved up here for years. Why not do those things? Just that little bit can put somebody over the hump. Why not? We may, yeah, we may d- get into a cycle this year, David and Catherine, that we were in, say, 20 years ago, where statewide races were decided by 40,000 votes. We may be getting into that again. These races are getting closer and closer and closer again. So why not hit yeah. And
1: I do think your general strategy is a little different, but I still think the idea, you know, television is not what it was even ten years ago. Um, it has completely changed. You well, see I think how it is
2: TVs,
1: channels are bidding different on programs. That they um, they they bid like crazy for live events, which are going to become the most expensive cover because they know nobody watches commercials or fewer watch commercials on regular programs. Um, and this is commercials for everything. I mean, this is just mass products, not candidates necessarily. Well, we'll have more time to discuss these Georgia races along with a lot of other races and news we didn't even get to. But thanks again to Doug Kaplan for coming on. And until next week, it's been the Kudzu Vine.
3: Happy Memorial Day weekend. Good night,
1: guys. Hi, everybody.
0: We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force
1: for freedom and prosperity around the world? America
0: has created the longest peacetime
1: economic expansion in
2: our.